Hey, I always look forward to this uh, warm-up music or intro music. Me too, man. How's life treating you? Good. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting work done. I'm excited to be on the show. I don't. There's nothing really been interesting in the last week or so in the news, so it's been, you know, it's been just a laid-back week in my end. Is that real? Is that a real statement? That's a, not a real statement, Joel. Give like, me a break. I'm like, I'm like, what, by what, by what, what counts as a busy week for Rafe? That's all I, that's all I need to know. But here's the thing. I like, thought, you, I thought you were about to say by what standard. I was gonna, I was gonna say by, <laughs> by I was what ab- standard do you measure a busy week in the news? I was gonna. The word of God. I was, gonna, God. <laughs> I was gonna pre-sup the stuff out of that statement. <laughs> um, bro, uh, I, I have to say this past week I've been. I've been sharing all this on uh, Instagram, but I've been cataloging my books, my beautiful, beautiful books. Mm. And um, what system are you using for that? Uh, I started doing that a while ago. Yeah, I well, I'm using Library Thing. You ever heard of it? No. It's this. It's a website and an app, and you can very easily work between the website, like the desktop and the app. Uh-huh. And um, it's great. It lets you scan in. Like it's got a barcode scanner. You can scan in. Um, books, you, if they have a, a lot of my books are old, they don't have, you know, scanners. Some of them, some of them are so old, they don't even have ISBN numbers, you know, international standard yeah, book yeah. numbers. Um, so I, but, but, but it searches like Amazon and like thousands of libraries and, uh, it's found, it found like 99.9% of my books, but let me ask you a question. How many books do you think that I have? Like how what would you estimate? Well, are you counting digital books as well? No, although I know how many I have of those as well. See, that, that's where it gets tough when you start adding up the digital libraries. Well, yeah, especially if you have Lagos and you've I know. got you know, 5,000 books on Lagos. No, I physical know. books, though, physical books. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I've seen your library. I'm going to guess uh, 500. Okay. Okay. It's at, my, at last count, and I'm actually done. I might have one or two stragglers, but at last count, it is 654. There you go. So I, I was hoping for closer to a thousand, man. I actually felt like when I got done, I was kind of looking around and I'm like, man, that's it. It's, it's weak. That's very weak. You look, look, let me just show you something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll this way. Okay. So you continue to see the, the library. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> see, that's impressive, man. I got to get, I got to get on your level, Rafe. You know, I, I got to, I think, you know what? I think you were the first person who actually used this sentence. And I, I have since used it a handful of times when I walk into another man's house that I judge a man by his library. <laughs> I think you were the first person to say that to me about no. five years ago. You said, I judge a man by his library. And now one of the first things I do when I walk in someone's house, I go to their library, I look at their books. Oh, <laughs> well, great. Mine's glad not I... impressive at my house. I keep most of my books in my office. So I'm glad I could contribute to your increased superficiality. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, um, I appreciate it, that. <laughs> uh, so today, whoo. Bro, you mentioned it. It's been a, a well, you said it. Yeah, it's been a, uh, it's been a week. We'll put it that way. It's been a week. Yeah. And um, I'm going to go ahead and put up this banner. If you're watching or if, if you're listening later via the podcast, well, whatever day you might be listening to this, normally we do Worldview Wednesdays on Wednesdays. But of course, today's not Wednesday. Today is Thursday as we're, as we're recording this. And so um, the reason why we're doing that yesterday, we just, you know, we couldn't pull it together. I've been in this online conference with my organization, not the Think Institute, but our parent organization all week. 
Uh, well, no, not all week. I guess just the last three days. And yesterday was a doozy. We couldn't record on normal time. And Rafe's got this thing where he likes to be there for his family. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's obviously, you know, it doesn't, there aren't too many better reasons than that, man, for not recording. And um, I'm just glad that we can do it this week because we got lots to talk about. What, what are we talking about this week, Pastor Rafe? Well, a little thing that we might call the election, the election results. Yes. Um, yeah, not I mean, that election like, Calvinists. The the what? I said not that election Calvinists. Not that election. Don't get all excited. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, we got an important conversation today. Uh, we are sitting a handful of days, about you know, uh, a handful of days after a presidential election that took place in this country. Anytime there's a presidential election, uh, it's going to be worthy of discussing as Christians. Mm -hmm. We're we're taking part in this. Democratic Republic that we call America. Christians gave us this Democratic Republic, and we rejoice okay. at the stewardship that we have uh, within this. And so anytime that there's an election, we're going to have plenty to talk about. We talk about our governing leaders, our response to the election, all that kind of stuff. Uh, this one is particularly important, uh, and we might just say it's been confusing because since the election has taken place, not every state, uh, a lot of the votes are still out, so counting is still taking place. Uh, for the most part, what it looks like is the president has been named president-elect by all the major news studios, uh, and yet the current sitting president, Donald Trump, is going ahead with a number of lawsuits, and if you're watching uh, other news sources, so if you look at like the, the major ones like Associated Press, Router, uh, Reuters, and uh, you know New York Times. Fox News, you, CNN. Well, actually, I, I count Fox News out just for a moment because for most of them, if you look at them, it's President-elect Joe Biden all the way. Oh, sure, Joe Biden. sure. And that's what it seems. I mean, just at face value, that's what it probably seems like it's going to be. Uh, all it has, the votes haven't been certified yet, and but that's probably what will happen. Um, but then when you look at some of the other news that's coming in, uh, whether or not it's fraudulent news or not, you do have Donald Trump pushing ahead with a lot of lawsuits in a number of swing states that at the moment seem like they've only been won by Trump by, you know, absolutely minuscule numbers. And uh, more and more evidence keeps to come, more and more evidence. And I'm cautious with the word evidence because, you know, more than half the stories you hear online are, are just totally fabricated and made up and fake. And so you got to be careful not to just jump on every bandwagon. But uh, nevertheless, the president's pushing forward and uh, it ain't over till it's over, you know. And so... Uh, yeah. So as Christians, I think you and I are having a conversation today of what do we do with this? Uh, what do we do with an election? And what do we do with this moment of, you know, however minuscule the uncertainty might be in each of our hearts as we look at what's happening moving forward? As Christians, how do we respond? Yes. And it's been eight days. Um, look, I put in the the video description when I, I, you know, if you follow us on Facebook or YouTube or other social media platforms, any of the insurgent media networks, social media networks, Parler, MeWe. I always I I post um, content, of course, on uh, on our Think Institute page, and in our video description today, here's what I said. Here's this was the opening line, and you can read this right below this video if you're looking on YouTube. Skip over the notice from YouTube that says the AP has called the election for Joe Biden because that's what we're talking about today. But here, this was my opening line. It's been eight days since the U.S. presidential election, and there's still no clear winner. And you know what? The first comment that I got when I posted this in, a, in a one group online, that's it's a Christian group, and I'll let it remain nameless. Uh, a person commented, I don't know this. I don't know this source. 
like talking about like the Think Institute. I don't know this person basically, but are they serious when they say there's no clear winner? And it's it's funny that that was the first comment that we got because yeah, I I do know the source. It's my source. It's us. I posted it. So I yeah, I'm I'm serious. There is still no clear winner. Now, why on earth, Rafe, are we saying there's no clear winner because the AP and all the media outlets have have um have called it for Biden and okay before you respond to that I've got to give that disclaimer here's the disclaimer that I have to give in this episode pastor Rafe and I are not advocating for a winner of this process we are not saying oh boy I hope Biden comes out on top right because we love his policies and we don't want there to be riots in the streets which we know is going to happen we'll talk about that a little bit later <laughs> Nor you can't you can't hold it. I can't hold it, Ray. <laughs> nor nor are we saying, oh, I hope Trump wins because that'll really stick it to the libs and the lefties. Okay. That's not what we're saying. Now, people are gonna the very fact that we are having this conversation immediately is going to cause many people to write us off. And that we have to give a massive disclaimer here at the beginning. This is not a political show. This is a Christian worldview show. We are not advocating for a particular outcome. We are not pushing for a particular candidate. But in saying that that there is no clear winner, we're not peddling a, cons a conspiracy theory. And we, we're going to talk about that as well. All we're saying is this. Right now, 70% of Republicans say that there has been clear fraud. 70% of... Now, we are not joining in that 70% explicitly, implicitly, or otherwise. What we are saying is, with this much uncertainty, how should Christians think about the ongoing electoral post-election fracas, brouhaha, if you prefer? Yeah. And and that's, that's what we're trying to think through. So we're going to look at three questions. Um, I might add a fourth there. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So... Go ahead and read the description of this video of this episode, and you're going to see. I put a little. I, I trolled you all with this a little bit. I trolled our listeners because, um, depending on your political leaning, you're going to respond to the fact that we're doing this episode a little differently. But the three questions we're going to look at, and I hope that Christians of all political stripes, and some of you just got triggered that I said Christians can even belong to all political strikes stripes. But these are the three questions that I think that all Christians must be ready to answer. And this is what we're going to equip you to answer today. One, how do we think about this biblically? Two, how do we prepare for various outcomes? I want to look at at least four different outcomes briefly. And then three, how do we maximize this opportunity to further Christ's kingdom and spread the gospel? Okay, Rafe, I'm turning it over to you because I've got to fix something with my mic. Well, I want to ask you a pre-question and I oh. have my response to this question, but I think this is important. The stat you just said that 70% of Republicans believe that there was fraud in this election and that that Trump is not only within his rights. I mean, everyone believes he's within his rights. He is within his rights, but but believes that he needs to move forward and, and actually see this through. So 70% believe that to be the case. Why do you think it is, Joel, that there is so much today that there is so much uh, mistrust or distrust? towards something like an election in, the, in this country all right why is there so much distrust yeah 
Hmm, man, that's a great question. Number one, we Americans naturally have a distrust of authority. Uh-huh. If I can, if I can paint in the broadest of all possible brushes here, yeah. if I can paint with that kind of brush, we Americans, uh, the United States of America was founded on after rebellion. a, on, say that again, on rebellion, on rebellion and revolution. Yeah. Now, some would argue that it wasn't rebellion to God's laws, but nonetheless, rebellion to the established political order. We were founded by pioneers moving west. Um, look, our political discourse, whichever side of the aisle you're on, every side wants to be known as the insurgent side, as the rebellious side. N- no one ever wants to go like, like you don't see Republicans going, look, we are the party of the establishment. What we say goes. We are the authorities here. No, they're saying they're 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 raging against the establishment media, the mainstream media. And then you've got the left going. You know, Donald Trump is a tyrant, and we need to you know uh, not accept the 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 tyrannical reign of Donald Trump. Both sides want to paint themselves as the insurgent rebellion. That's in our national DNA. It's 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 in there. Um, and yet at the same time, now here's the ironic part at the same time, both sides and every other side in between, if you're a libertarian, you don't talk about sides. You talk about the four, uh, four corners of the, you know, there's this chart libertarians always point to, um, that getting, I'm getting sidetracked here, but the, um, first time for that. So the, um, the both sides also want to say that they have history on their side. So both want to appeal to broader cosmic principles and inevitable historical movements, but, but both sides want to be against. So from a cosmic perspective, both sides want to be cosmically right, cosmically justified. And, and they want it to be seen that their side is inevitable. Like, like Thanos, I am inevitable. Right. But both also at the same time want to be the Avengers rebelling against Thanos. Right. So, so we want our cake and we want to, eat it too. We want to have our cake and eat it too. That's sort of some preliminary thoughts. None of that even factors in the tumultuous state of politics over the last four years and really 12 years and really uh, 16, 20, 22, yeah. 22, no. So we're 60, 20 years. I, I think you can go back to 9-11. Yeah, that's where a lot of stuff yeah. really shifted and that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I'm with you, Joel. And I think it's an important question to ask because no matter which way you cut it, I mean, the last four mm-hmm. years has been filled with, especially the last four years in terms of general public conversation on these things, has been filled with so much mistrust. And so I'm not surprised to see a poll that 70% of Republicans don't trust the election. And that that's even before we've really gotten underway with the court proceedings. Like, like that's just... Before any of that starts, like we just don't trust it. Um, and I, I think there's a couple of things just to, to bring to mind. Number one, I think two key things that have changed in people's psyches and awareness and understanding recently. Number one is a worldview that is inconsistent with itself and, and self-destructs. So the worldview of secularism is a worldview that accepts all, uh, all ideas even without logical founding. And we talk about this a lot, right? So the if you have a worldview which is rooted on logic that is not founded in actual facts, then it leads you into this like place of being aware of your surroundings that's not actually founded on anything. And I think there's an inner, I think what happens to a person that is floating through life, not having any founding 
for their actual beliefs is it's very shallow. And what happens is you have this, uh, you recognize the illogic of it all. And so when you're presented with new facts, you don't have grounding to actually say, wait, is this true? And you don't know what to do with it. So you just doubt. So I think the secularist worldview paves way to, to doubt. I also think people, this is a big one. There's so much information out there. And, you know, it, there, there's so many credible websites that are not putting out credible information. There's non-credible websites, which are putting out what is told to be fake news or bad news up front. And then over time, you realize, actually, they were right. What they said was correct. And it's very difficult if you're getting all your information from the internet to, to actually have a grasp on reality. You can do your best, but we are, I think it's been proven at this point, it's been shown that you can only do so much. There's always things you don't know. And, uh, and because of that, I think we, the internet has literally gotten to us to a place where, um, in general, there's just a, a, a mistrust of all information. And there, I think there's a healthy way to combat that, but that's just the state of affairs where we're at right now. And I think that's part of feeding into the frenzy that's happening right now. Yeah, no, I think that those are salient points, Rafe. I really do. I think for all the benefits that the internet offers and look, here's how you know that we're like millennial slash Xennial because we can still remember a time before the internet. We can still remember a time when, right. when you had a, a, a school paper to write. I remember I wrote a paper on American Peregrine Falcons in like second grade and uh -huh. I had to go to the library and talk to the librarian about- Did you have your typewriter? <laughs> come on man i'm not that old i, I had a typewriter i love no, that thing didn't have a typewriter i did have a typewriter get out of town yeah you great. lived in you didn't you grow up where'd you grow up hinsdale yeah okay so it was like a what was it like a gold-plated typewriter what oh, was it get out of my face it was <laughs> I, grew up in, I grew up in lombard you know we had we had um stone etchings that you had to we had this the, the the stone hammer and the stylus and that's how we that's how we didn't, we, we were still you living in file cabinets of etch -a sketches. You used them once and just stored them in a folder. And that that, was those case. were our tablets. Yes, that's Got right. It. Those were our that tablets. So that makes sense. So look, let's, let's dive into this man and people who are going to watch this program. They're not going to, we're not the daily wire. We're not cross politic. We're not, I don't know, name. We're not, we're not your typical political website. People are not going to watch this for, political punditry at least i hope not this is not this is not an echo chamber for us to um to slap each other on the back over our correct political views what we need to talk about is how do we as christians look at the post-election controversy biblically we have to start with the acknowledgement that there is post-election controversy but then man we need to get into god's word and we need to talk about this mm -hmm. because the fact of the matter is, if we're not looking at this from a biblical perspective, we are no better than the secularist. Mm -hmm. We are no better than the the nihilist or the um, the atheist who just or the the Nietzschean, you know, will to power political theorist who just says, uh, uh, "How do we know what's right? Because justice is whatever we say it is." Right. And if we can, if we can just will our way into power here, then that's what's right. Because all there is, man is the highest authority in the universe. No, that's not us. We're, we've got a standard and we've got, that standard comes from God. We have to subordinate our minds. We've got to, we've got to bend our minds around scripture and 
and not twist scripture and not try to twist reality to fit our wants. And if it look, if that means in the end we get our way, great. And if not, Hey, we're not God and we, we right. have to be okay with that. So let's talk about this, man. I, I, as I'm thinking, if, as I'm looking at scripture, the first thing, Oh, Wait a minute. Did you expressly say, what was the fourth question you wanted to look at? No, I already asked it. That was it. Why do you think there's oh. so much mistrust? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No, that's good. That's good. Okay, so I'm looking at scripture. So in the notes that I prepared up ahead of time, this was not the, the first principle, but I do think it's the one that we need to talk about first. And that's this. We have to trust in God's sovereignty. I think we have to trust in God's sovereignty here. And that's not this... That's not a trite motivational poster that's up on my wall with clouds and like hand scripted font that says, you know, trust that, you know, like Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good, which is true, but it's not just a, a poster on the wall. It's a bedrock foundation of how we have to approach the post-election fracas biblically. What do you think about that? Is that, is that our starting point, Rafe, the, the sovereignty of God? Absolutely. I mean, it's always our starting point because we're good Calvinists. And I think the, I think you you got to have a starting point of the sovereignty of God. Amen. And I think that's the easy thing for Americans to say, but forget about the rich heritage of uh, our forefathers who have gone before us and what sovereignty meant for them. I mean, you think of guys like John Huss, who was burned at the stake. Uh, Absolute and him, beast. Him, him going into, um, you know, the night before, going into a day where he knew what was going to take place and just giving his life over to the Lord and saying, God, you're, you're sovereign. Like this, this, my, this world is not about me and it's not about my life. It's about you and your glory and whatever you see fit to do with me right now, I'm good. So I think the Christian thinking about the sovereignty of God has to recognize it's like you said, it's not a pithy statement. It's an actual reality of the world that he is in control of all things. And that's why we can submit to a governing authorities. That's why we can, you know, I think of passages that talk about servants uh, not retaliating against abusive masters, right? Why, why is that right. possible? Well, it's because there, there's, we trust in the sovereignty of God, and we're going to say, okay, th th I don't understand it fully. Uh, I don't know all the details because I'm not God. There's, there's a thousand things I don't know, and I'll never know. No one's mm -hmm. ever going to know it. Uh, and yet, and yet God's sovereign, and he will see this through for his glory. And that brings peace to the Christian. We got to start there every time. Amen. Amen. Um, if you're listening to this and you're like, whoa, 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 Rafe just said something about Calvinism. I, I, I'm not bought into Calvinism. Or I don't even know what that is. Look, this is less about subscribing to a particular view of soteriology or a systematic theology. And it's more about just being a biblical Christian. Right. The Bible says that God declares the end from the beginning. The Bible says that even when evil befalls a city or, or calamity, depending on your translation or catastrophe, God has caused it. Uh, even in the book of Job, where we see utter calamity and heart-breaking catastrophe befall a man of God, really. The Bible says that there was that that Job was was an upright man, and yet he faced the loss of his his livelihood, the loss of his children, his own wife turned against him. You, you might say, "Yeah, but Joel, that was just that was that was caused by Satan." Didn't you read the first part of the uh, the book? Well, um, yes, fair enough, but 
who allowed it? Yeah. Didn't Satan have to go to God to get permission to do that? Yeah. So, yeah. and another another great passage on that, and a very relevant one for us, Isaiah chapter ten. Isaiah chapter ten is a very classic passage that Calvin himself used, talking about the sovereignty of God regularly. And in that passage, uh, Assyria is called by God the rod of my anger. And so God raises up a foreign nation to attack Israel to bring about God's wrath on God's people for disobeying him. And the way he does it is by using this other nation, but they don't know it. They're unwillingly be, uh, unwittingly being right. used by God as the rod of his anger, the, the sword in his hand, essentially. And then later on, when Assyria goes and boasts, look, look what I've done, I, I, I overthrew the uh, the Israelites. God then comes back and then he says, I'm going to send pestilence among you for that. You, you were never in control. I was always sovereign. And so God, yeah. yeah, that's God's sovereignty. He's moving nations. He, he's the God of nations. Quick sidebar. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, Rafe. Well, let's say over the last few months. In scripture, there is nothing like a United Nations or a world government. There's nothing like that prescribed. There's, uh, there's a strong presentation of national sovereignty. So then you have to ask the question, well, how is a nation punished for its corporate national sinfulness? The way that God does it is not through a slap on the wrist or sanctions from some global collective of nations. Rather, God uses international hegemony. He uses national powers to discipline other national powers. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm saying? So the Assyrians will come in and they'll punish Israel. Israel will come in and they'll punish the Canaanites. Um, and then God will send in, you know, the, 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 the Babylonians to punish the Assyrians and then the Medo-Persians to punish the right. Babylonians and then the Greeks and the Romans and so on and so forth. So there's a, there's a great passage that says that the heart of a king is like a stream of water yeah. in God's hand and he directs it every way he wants it to go. So who, so, so who's in charge of the world? We, do we need a, a global government? Yes, we have one. We have a king over the world. According to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, his name is Jesus Christ. And he <laughs> is the king of the world. So just, just a, a, a little, um, a little detail, a little footnote to put underneath our conversation about God's sovereignty. When we say we're trusting in God's sovereignty, we're not trusting in something like the amorphous, faceless arc of history. We're not trusting in sort of some, some, some force like like some Star Wars style force, we are trusting in the God and King of the universe whose name is Jesus Christ. As New Covenant believers, as Christians, we believe that the King of the universe exists and has a name and that his name is Jesus. And so whether it's Biden or Trump or anyone else, they are going to rule and represent us under the authority of Jesus Christ, whether they acknowledge him or not. And And that's very important for us to remember as biblical Christians. And and also, the flip side of sovereignty is not that you sit by and do nothing and just say, well, God will be God. Right. That is not, no no Christian will get that out of the scriptures. Uh, the flip side of, the, the, the beauty of sovereignty is that as you labor tirelessly in the kingdom of God, you can rest in the full Sabbath knowing that Christ is king and he's working all things for his glory. Amen. And so it's not sit back and do nothing. It's not let God be God and uh, not be interested in politics, not be interested in what happens with violence in my community, not be interested in injustice. Absolutely not. Christians engage meaningfully yeah. uh, and we trust God all the way. Yeah. I want to just invite you, if you're watching this right now and you're watching it live, 
drop a comment. If you have a comment or question, what is your response right now to the post-election fracas, all the stuff that's been going on? Are you pulling for one side or the other? We're not here to endorse one side or the other, but you certainly can. And then what's your take? Do you do you think that, um, let me say this, what's been your response as a Christian to the um, to the ongoing controversy? Do you think the whole thing is overblown? Do you think that there's a legitimate case to be made? And, uh, and how are you handling this as a Christian? I, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, Rafe, something else as well. There's there's more biblical support here. And I want to just make something clear. This is something that you and I talked about beforehand, but while we're not pushing for one side or the other, we're also not neutral in terms of should there be a recount, should there even be a hand recount. And I want to make my position clear here. I think that there absolutely must be a recount. I think that there absolutely must be a, a careful, bipartisan, watchfully observed recount under the legitimate legal authorities, whether that's the, um, I guess that would be the judicial branch. And and I think that here, here's why in scripture, there are illegitimate rulers. Um, uh, 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 how do you pronounce her name? Adaliah, Athalia. She was a, um, she was a queen who had basically usurped the throne, was ruling Israel and um, things did not go well for her. Jezebel, Herod and Jezebel, uh, well, they were ungodly rulers, but there are examples in scripture of illegitimate rulers like um, Abimelech, who was Gideon's son. He was, he was. Um, they tried to make him a king. Absalom, who was yep. David's son, who tried yep. to usurp the throne. I'm actually reading through that passage with my kids. Whew, uh, you want to have, you want to have fun? Read Read your, uh, read the Bible with your kids and, and take them through Joshua, go through Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second Samuel. That's where, what we've been doing. And I, I hit Sodom and Gomorrah tomorrow morning in our morning devotional. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody pray for Rafe. Yeah. Um, I, I, we had the, uh, the scene where Abraham's interceding for Sodom this morning and tomorrow I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get through that chapter. Rock and roll, man. Scripture does not let us, uh, it does not uh, let avoid the hard topics. No. But but look, there are these examples of usurpers and illegitimate rulers in Scripture, and the the occurrence is universally condemned. You can look at the the history of Israel, and you can see the wickedness that befell and the the trouble that befell Israel as kings. I'm talking about specifically the northern kingdom of Israel, as one king would come to power through intrigue and assassination. And then he in turn would be assassinated. And then the next king would take over. And we can be so grateful, Rafe, that we live in a representative constitutional republic where that's not how our executive branch is replaced and succeeded. So we should not want Donald Trump to become president. Even if Donald Trump was your guy, you should not want him to become president through ill-gotten means. Right. Read through Proverbs. Ill-gotten means, ill-gotten uh, wealth ruins you. Ill-gotten political power ruins you. And it ruins the nation. If you're, if you're pulling for Biden because you've just had enough of Trump, you should want Biden to be legitimized. You should not be okay with the fact 
that 70% of Republicans think that we did not have a free and fair election. Now, now you might say, well, they're just crazy. That's fine. You should be willing to establish that through legal means. Okay, they're crazy. Prove it. Prove it through through legal means. Establish it so that whether they like it or not, they have to say Biden won fair and square and be willing to accept the fact that maybe Biden didn't win fair and square. Just because the AP has called the election as YouTube and Facebook and Twitter so dutifully remind us, that's why everyone's flocking to parlor because everyone is sick of the uh, the ideal, uh, political ide- ideologues who run the legacy social media networks, the establishment social media networks. Just because the media calls something does not make it True. Just because things are accepted by those who declare themselves the arbiters of truth, you, you, you have to understand they've lost credibility for large swaths of the population. So scripture is on our side for calling for a recount, a careful recount, and, and, and practically speaking, because we want peace in this nation, in our, in our society, in our country, we don't want violence. We don't want bitterness. We don't want refusal to acknowledge the outcome. We don't want hashtag not my president to, to continue trending for the next four years. Um, we, I, I believe that Christians biblically ought to want a careful, judicious, legitimate counting of the votes to make sure that every legitimate vote and only legitimate votes are counted so that you're always gonna you're always gonna have people who don't accept it, like you were saying, Rafe earlier. Some people are just refusing to accept the truth. But you want every fair-minded person who values truth to be at least able to accept the outcome of the election. Yeah, yeah. You can almost say, uh, and I, I think this, you know, a right a right-thinking person. Right now, people are so fueled by emotion. I mean, that that election was an emotion-driven election on both sides. And I think that's, uh, well, I mean, hopefully it was fact and logic driven by many Christians as well, because Christians yeah. love fact and logic. Right. But there was a lot of emotion that went into it. And what happens is when you allow emotion to drive you, you lose track of what, what you're actually saying. It, Trump, it, I would say this, if Trump has any reason to believe that there was fraudulence to, to, to a large degree, there's in a, in a country our size, there's going to be little bits of fraud here and there. And that's terrible. We should hate that. Um, and we should see through it and try to put an end to it. But if Trump has any reason to believe whatsoever that there is legitimate fraudulence at a large scale that could have swayed the election uh, one way or another, he doesn't just have the right to do that. I'd say as an American, he has a duty to see that through the courts. And as, as, as Christians, we should love truth. We should, never, we should want truth to be exposed. And, and here's the thing. If someone if, if someone's hates Trump, right, and, and they, they're like, I just I want him out of here, and if that's the case, there, there's the the most most of the outcomes of this are going to be something like this if it if trump's wrong he's just going to look like a clown like if it doesn't even get to the courts that works out in best case scenario for you like if what if what all the major press are saying is like there's literally not a case here it's all fraudulent it's just a joke then trump's going to end up looking like a clown and really his legacy is kind of going to be majorly remembered for that I mean, he, no matter what else he did, it's going to be remembered for that. Yeah, that works out right. really well for you if you're a real major Trump hater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's exactly and secondly, right. it's what you just said a second ago. If he sees it through, and we live in a country of 
you know, praise God, we have the ability to sue and to actually try to make things right and, pur and pursue justice. If he sees it through and he still loses by large margins, great, you've just earned a lot of people's trust. Like, like now we know who actually won the election. And then obviously if you're a Trump supporter, you might be afraid that he's actually gonna, you're gonna realize that it was an illegitimate election and whatever the chances are of that. Uh, but that shouldn't stop you from wanting to pursue justice because you're afraid of what the outcome's gonna be. Uh, humans, Christians particularly, are very interested in justice and, and in right things being done the right way. If, if we say we don't want to pursue this because we're afraid of actually what could be exposed, uh, that's basically the end of our republic. That, that just means elections don't mean anything anymore. And, and we're too good for that. We're, we're too smart for that. We should never want that for our country. And so right. I'd say he doesn't just have a right. He has a duty to see it through. And, you know, you might think him a clown for it, and time will tell. Maybe he will be a clown for it. Yeah, Maybe there's yeah. literally nothing there, and he's making a big deal to just hold on to something that he lost. Yeah, that's right. And and one of the things that we know is that God is very good at humbling the proud. And Donald Trump is many things. And one of those things is he's very proud. He's shown himself right. to be very proud. This may be a great humbling of Donald Trump. And um, and if that's God's plan, we should we should welcome that. And by the way, we should also use this as an opportunity to check our own pride here. How much are we invested in making sure that our side wins so that we can really stick it to the other side? Guys, as followers of Jesus Christ, that's not what we're about. Because we, in terms of, in terms of um, human beings, we do not wage war against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 makes that very clear. Right. Our, our primary battle is not political. The, the political battle, the political uh, process is a means to an end. And as a, as a believer, when I open up the word and I see Paul's exhortation to Timothy, where he says, pray for all people, for rulers and those in authority, he doesn't say, so that your political ends will be met. And I know you're going to say, well, Joel, you know, right now, you know, what's political is really moral and really, you know, standing up for certain political causes is really, th these are moral things. And so, you know, we do, it's not just about politics and power. It's actually about morality and protecting the unborn. Look, absolutely. I agree with you on that. But when Paul tells believers to pray for those in authority, he says the reason why we pray for those in authority is so that we can live a quiet and peaceful life. We want, as, as Christians, we want to be able to go about our daily business as Christians and, um, and, to, um, and, and to live for the Lord with liberty and uh, without um, encumbrance from the government. So, so anyway, all this to say, um, I'll, let's keep moving because, Rafe, let's talk about some of the possible, con um, the possible outcomes yeah. that could happen. Well, from, you wrote down four of them. So w walk us through. I mean, here, here's where we're at, right? So you might be watching saying this is all anything other than Biden being the president elect is out of this world, extraordinary, unlikely. Um, and if that's you watching that, great. I mean, all all we're saying here is there's there's four possible outcomes right. from this point forward. And you might be saying you might be on the other side saying there's no possible way Trump loses this thing. It's his in a bag, which, by the way, legit people are saying. Yeah. Like actual senators are actually writing that down and communicating that, that there's no possible way he loses this thing. So walk us through. What are the, what are the four, the four okay. outcomes you wrote down? Yes. Okay. So four outcomes, uh, outcome one, and I'm, I'm speaking in terms of, uh, objectively what could happen. The object, uh, outcome one, the counting process is corrupt and decides for Biden. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, wh- whether that's, you know, there is no recount and there was fraud and, and Biden is elected um, and it was fraudulent. Okay. Uh, outcome two, the counting process is fair and decides for Biden. Okay. Come back to that. I want to spend a little bit of time on that one. Option three, outcome three, the counting process is corrupt and decides for Trump. I think this is what a lot of people on the left are afraid of. Outcome four, the counting process is fair and decides for Trump. I think that's what, um, uh, you know, the secretary of state Pompeo recently came out and said, yeah, we expect there to be a peaceful transition of, uh, a, a, a peaceful continuation of Donald Trump's, uh, admin- yeah, administration, second term. Okay. So that's you, right? Sorry. Okay. So if the counting process is corrupt and decides for Biden, let me, let me say this. I, I, depending on, I think that that's taking the nation in a dangerous direction, but I dare say conservatives are going to do their best to continue living peaceable lives. All right. Um, in terms of the biblical worldview, conservatism has its roots. And when I say conservatism, I'm talking, I'm not talking about hardline Republicanism or something like that. I'm talking about what's classically understood as conservatism, political conservatism is closer on the spectrum to the biblical worldview. All right, fine. If you're a leftist and you disagree with that, that's fine. I don't care. Send me an email. But I don't think I've made any secrets about the fact that I think that conservatism, true conservatism, is most aligned with the biblical worldview. And the biblical worldview says things like, as much as is possible, live at peace with all men, um, as, you know, as much as it, so far as it depends on you. Conservatives are, are about making a show of strength, but we're, we're not about burning down buildings when we don't get our way. So conservatives can put up with a lot because they want to go to work and they want to, you know, provide for their family and live a a peaceable life. Okay. Um, if the counting process is corrupt and decides for Biden, I don't expect a whole lot of consternation on the left at all. Cause I think, you know, they got their way. That's what they were, you know, the, the far extreme left, the BLM and Antifa types, that's what they've been burning down. You can't tell me that they want fairness when they're burning down cities. That's not something you do when you want fairness is for all the chance of justice. You don't burn down innocent people's livelihoods in the name of justice consistently. Right. Pro, uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I don't have much to add to that other than to just say, I think you're right. Obviously I think there's fringe groups and anybody who is, uh, in, in, it's hard to say that if we were two people who are far, far left, mm-hmm. uh, politically, uh, you know, if you listen to podcasts from folks who are just far, far left politically, they would say that the that the people who are far right use violence and mob mentality when they don't get their way. And and I think that's actually a, a misnomer. I don't think those people are, are speaking on behalf of typical conservative principles. Correct. Uh, it, they are they're behaving in a way that's not consistent with their worldview. The, what, what's different, I think what you're bringing up is over the last year to two years, what we've seen is the between the uh, the rioting that's taken place when uh, when when the the folks on the left want to make their voice heard. I think there there is more of a consistency that we've seen for those on the far left to use uh, violence, to use rioting, to get their point across and to try to get political things changed. That's not to say that people who claim position in the right haven't done that in the past. Certainly, pe- pe- there's, 
people sure. are doing that. It doesn't seem to be a consistent, large-scale theme in recent history. Well, no, that's exactly right. And there's nothing conservative about bombing a government a government building. There's certainly right. nothing Christian about it. You right. know, there's there's nothing conservative about um, you know marching through the streets calling for an end to like immigration or like like you know marching in in promotion of the white race against uh minorities or something that's not that's not a conservative principle like there's nothing conservative that's you're not you're not conserving america or american values um you're you're um that's that's more in line with uh you know like ethnic nationalism which has a lot more in common with socialism actually uh i'll just toss this out there hitler was a socialist okay moving on uh without uh qualifying that um the the um next outcome that the counting process is fair and decides for biden look rafe i gotta be honest with you i think this is the outcome that gives the best potential for societal peace if you don't mm, depend well, let it, me say it, this. it depends if you include abortion Correct. within the conversation of peace That's, or not exactly so the quality of peace. Gonna make. in terms of visual in your front day-to-day -day news piece yep uh, that's that's obviously the most the one that will satisfy the most amount of people in the quickest amount of time. I think even a lot of uh, to be honest, we'll get to this in just a second. I think even a lot of people that voted for Trump at this point, just because of the way that the news has made it very clear that they believe Biden is the president elect and everyone's moving forward. You know, I live downtown Chicago. The night that uh, Biden won Pennsylvania, there were thousands of people gathered down downtown lighting off fireworks for a couple hours. Right. Um, so it, if that were to be reversed, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, I think there'd be some some cause for uh, concern of what could happen. But I think in terms of day-to-day -day peace, uh, that's the best case scenario for short-term peace visually. Obviously, yes. once you add in the reality of the most pro-abortion candidate in history with the craziest, most pro-abortion vice president candidate in history, um, that's, that's, that's a misnomer. Yeah. It actually becomes the most deadly. However, uh, in your face piece, I think that's that's clear. Yeah, I think you're right. So now outcome three, if the counting process is corrupt and decides for Trump, uh, what, what do we have in this scenario? I mean, it, it, at this point, um, it would it would cast a shade of legitimacy on the riots and the uh, the 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 looting. Uh, not that riots and looting are ever legitimate, Rafe. You understand what I'm saying, but it would cast a shade of legitimacy upon them. Um, that uh, you know, the the outcome where we spin off into some kind of a new civil war, that would. The thing is, how many, how many conservatives are going to fight for what is obviously a corrupt outcome? I, I don't. The, the I don't, thing with this one is, this one's going to be tough to pull off at this point because, right. in terms of options, how we move forward. I don't know if this is possible at this point. I think right. it, it, for Trump to to get into office now, there has to be a major movement of the courts yeah. where they look at evidence and weigh it. It's going to be very difficult for anyone to claim if Trump ends up in office to claim this. Obviously, unless I'm just making a scenario up, Trump mm -hmm. does it. He wins in the courts. People will claim it. I mean, they claimed Russia collusion for two years, and that yeah, was yeah. that was shown false, right? So pe people will make up any number of things. But in 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 a real world, it's going to be difficult to to actually get to that outcome because he's already technically, in the eyes of the news, lost. Right? Like 
that's the narrative at this point. So for him to win, he's going to have to go through courts. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. So then let's talk about the fourth outcome, which is this. The counting process is fair and decides for Trump. Now, at, at this point, this is where you're going to have, this is where you're going to have, man, I don't know. I, I, barring a gracious intervention of divine, merciful providence, this is where you have the closest thing to civil war, I think. And, mm. and the reason why is because there are going to be those who are on the hard line left. And if, look, if you're a Democrat listening to this and you're, you're moderate and you just, you know, um, you're, you're more of a centrist, I'm not including you in this. Okay. You're not out there rioting. You're not out there burning. Right, right. But the people who are out there doing that are, are, are not going to accept it. I mean, let's be, let's be reasonable here. Let's, let's, let's be reasonable with our expectations. They're not going to accept it. And so if the outcome is, is flipped, the media is going to have egg on their face and, and we all know how they don't like to, um, uh, what's going to, what's going to happen, Rafe, you're going to have major cultural establishments, cultural pillars of the society, like the media, like the educational institutions, like you know, half of the political um, uh, power brokers that are out there who are on, on the left who are Democrats, they they will not accept it any more than they accepted it in um, 2016. In fact, they'll accept it far less because they'll feel as though they're giving up momentum that they've gained over the last 10 days or mm -hmm. however long it takes. And, and they will view it as a personal slight. And at that point, Rafe, the Christians' options are going to be um, arm yourself, protect your family, um, do a strategic retreat or stay where you are and stay there very strategically, very shrewdly, very intentionally, very focused and be ready to absolutely maximize the opportunity to stand for Christ's kingdom and to make the most out of this situation. And I think maybe we should talk about that possibility or that, um, uh, question next. What do you think? Yeah, and and we got to wrap up here in just a few moments. But I think I think you just nailed an important point. And I think there's two things that come from it. I, you know, in terms of the violence that will come from it, I I I can hope, and we would all pray if 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 the next few weeks when we started going by, like for example, Pennsylvania will probably be the first one, right? So I mean, we're starting to see some. I think a court case came in today for Pennsylvania that went that went in Trump's favor. Whether or not that's going to push enough votes. I don't, I don't know. I, I, we'll watch this unfold. But let's just pretend in a week, Pennsylvania flips. I think immediately people would start getting nervous and things would start happening. To, there, there's a flip side to what you just said, a more long-term uh, negative. And that's that our institutions will continue to lose more and more trust. If, if it, Because if, on both sides, right? Like already... All the major news corporations called this for, for Biden by like 10, 13% in some places, where right yeah. now with the numbers, if he won them, he won them by like a quarter of a percent, some of these states. And, and that is just like, man, how, that's the, how do we continue to trust that? that that's, that's, a major, that's a major miss. And so if that were to happen, 
it would be an even more collapse of the trust in some of those systems. And that's going to take a, you know, trust is one of those things that takes a long time to earn. And when you've breached trust, it takes a long time, an even longer time to earn back. It's not impossible, but there would have to be a reckoning that took place in our institutions to say, okay, what have, what have we gotten wrong here? And, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if our institutions know how to do that. Yeah. And that, that would be just as bad a system for the longevity of our country as short-term rioting and protesting and all that stuff that would take place were Trump to actually flip this thing and go back to him. You know what? And what's going to happen as the, uh, the quote unquote mainstream or establishment or legacy outlets, like, you know, your mainstream media, like your, your Facebook and your Twitter as um, trust in them continues to decrease. What you're going to see, Rafe, is you're going to see greater social balkanization, social tribalization, where many are just going to say, I'm done with these outlets. Look, look, look what's happening right now with the mass exodus off of Twitter and onto Parler or off of Facebook and onto MeWe, which by the way, follow the Think Institute on uh, Parler and MeWe, also on the version app. Okay. If you are... Um, if you are fed up with the ideologues who run the the establishment social networks, you're leaving. You're saying, "I'm sick of this." But what's happening on the left? What are they saying? I've already i've I've been putting it out there that the Think Institute is on these um, insurgent social media networks, and I'm getting warnings from my friends saying, "Be careful. There's a lot of conspiracy theorists. Watch out for that." You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. so Rafe, all this to say, and and I really want to bring this home because we've got to wrap up. Here's here's what I want to I want to bring this home. Any way you slice it, any way you slice it, we are in controversial times, and there is there is a need right now for clarity and solid truth. What Francis Schaeffer called true truth. That's what our society needs, and that is what we as Christians and only we as Christians building our lives on the biblical solid rock foundation. Only we have that. That's not a hubris thing. That's a that's a humble thing because we are submitted to God's word. Yep. And and, and a quick side note on that. Al Moeller on on the briefing ran an amazing episode a few months ago, talking about fact checking the fact checkers. Because you know if you watch all the news right now, you know during the debates it's like the fact checkers are checking the facts to see what's right. He goes, well, what you really need all those facts. What is a fact? <laughs> a, a fact is only what you make it. You know, Cornelius Van Til did so much work on how we apply meaning to individual facts. There are no uninterpreted and facts. Yes. There's no uninterpreted facts. And whenever someone's fact checking, they're doing it out of their bias and their slant. Right. And it's it's only the word of God that provides the standard whereby we can properly interpret the facts, the, the actual brute facts, as Van Til would call them. And then we apply the meaning and the interpretation to them. And so we do live in a world where you got to fact check the fact checkers. That episode from Al Mohler is wonderful and just very insightful for a world that we live in where we're constantly bombarded with people claiming, okay, look, don't worry what they say. Here's what truth is. Wait, Christian, uh, <laughs> what worldview are they coming from? Right. Right? Because depending on their worldview, they have a very different idea of what truth is than you do. It's not that they don't have the brute facts understood, or some of them at least. It's just right, they, don't, right. they don't have the proper meaning or interpretation for it. And you don't have to agree with it. I mean, we have the proper interpretation through the word of God. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, anyway, you're right. You got me going on that side, side trail. For no, me. it's good, man. It's good. 
We, we need to be ready with the gospel. We need to be ready with the biblical worldview. We need to know what the Bible says, what the Bible teaches. We need to know how to interpret this. And we must not become political ideologues where our guy, quote unquote, has to win at all costs. Our guy is Jesus. He's already on the throne. That is not a trite saying. That is an actual fact. You right now, Jesus is on the throne. That's our guy. That's the one whose message we send. Look, if Trump or Biden or Republicans or Democrat line up with scripture, more power to you. Rock and roll. I'll side with you all day long because my guy is Jesus Christ. And we've got to be ready to respond. And we've got to be ready to evangelize. We've got to be ready to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. God wanted us here at this particular moment um, in history to further you know, to further his agenda, to further the Great Commission. Bro, I know you got to go. I got to go too. Yeah, let um, me give just one one last little 10-second yeah. clip on there. Go. Whatever happens, and Joel, I think what you're saying right now, this is important. If you're a Christian, whatever happens, you go full circle, right? We yep. trust in the sovereignty of God, and every moment is an opportunity for evangelism. As as the world teeters on chaos, what, whatever whatever that looks like, right? If, if it's because there's a Biden presidency and, you know, whatever happens later on, or it's because Trump flips it and Trump becomes— Whatever the chaos you find yourself in, you hold the keys to the peace that surpasses understanding in, in a fallen world. You hold them. Amen. As a Christian, it's, it's sealed inside of you by the power of the Spirit. And your role in the midst of this is to recognize God has you for such a time as this in whatever place you're in. You're not there on accident. You're not, a, you're not like a, a speck of dust that's just happened to be floating on a storm. Rather, you are a Christian planted by God in a mission field. And, and what your role is to carry the gospel with such clarity and power that people look in on your life and they look in on you walking through this chaos, proclaiming the name of Jesus, saying, surely that man's got something I don't have. There's a God over that man's life that is different than whatever the God is over my life. And so my, my challenge is, I don't know what the next few weeks unfold like. Nobody does. God does. But no, no one really does. We don't know how the court's going to decide. Like we said, Trump could end up looking like a clown, or he could be end up looking like a hero, saving America from injustice. We don't know, but we do know this: as a Christian, our hope's not in that. Our hope is in Christ, and we we are evangelists, carrying the truth, and we seek after truth, and we proclaim the name of Jesus. So, Love it. I, I think that's an important word just to wrap up on. It's good. I'm gonna cue up the music, brother. It's been great. Oh, yeah. That's about all we have for you today. Listen, this is not goodbye. Keep the conversation going. Drop a comment here on whatever platform, wherever you're watching this, if you're watching this on the Facebook page or on YouTube. And this has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. I hope you heard something that was helpful to you. I know I certainly did. And until next time, I hope it made you think. I'm going to let this play. God bless, bro. See you later, Joel.